Welcome to another episode of Extraordinary Moments from an Ordinary Life. I'm just an ordinary human trying to soak in as much life as I can this side of heaven. I've had some interesting stories along the way, some fun, some serious and challenging, some unexpected, and some just plain crazy. But I'll have a lesson and I so believe that we need to learn from one another's stories. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear and learn from your moments as well. Enjoy! Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a flight attendant or work in the airline industry? Well, if so, you have come to the right place. In the next few episodes, I am hoping to reveal some of the good, bad, fun, ugly, crazy, and often unknown things about this wild career. In this two-part series, we are going to be talking about my own journey, interviewing and training, some really fun stories, probation, reserve, what life is like flying, some flight attendant hacks, uh, some safety tips, and some do's and don'ts of being a good passenger. And also just a side note here, some names have been changed in this episode to abide by those social media policies. If I am one thing, it is a rule follower. So fasten your seatbelt and hang on as we take off on these, what I hope to be fun and informative episodes. Oh, and by the way, a little tip on the best way to safely wear your seatbelt, folks, tight and low across your hips. Just like my grandmother wears her support bra. <laughs> my flight attendant story begins in 2018 when I was happily working as a high school piano accompanist. Now, pre-pandemic, the airlines didn't open the hiring application process to the outside world very often. They might have hired internally here and there, but to hire people not already in the industry, well, apparently that only happened about every four to seven years. Now, I have a friend who is a flight attendant who I just adore, and she informed me that one of those days was coming up where they do open it up to the public. Anyone could apply that one day. There would be a four-hour time frame that one afternoon, and she thought I'd be a great flight attendant and wanted me to give it a try. I had absolutely no intention whatsoever of leaving my job in education, but I decided to give it a go. Why not? Purely just for fun and maybe a little bit to get her off my back. I knew I wouldn't get hired, but I figured it'd be a good experience for me to stretch out of my comfort zone, I hadn't interviewed for years and years anywhere, so I thought it'd be good for me to get back into that and do that one more time. I thought it would just be a great experience, and I always think it's healthy to try new things. So along with what turned out to be 39,000 other applicants who applied within those four hours that day, yes, you heard that right, 39,000 people I sent off my resume and answered the application questions. There, I did it. I figured that would keep my friend quiet. In my mind, there was not a chance that they would ever hire me. Well, a few days later, I received an email 
saying that due to the high volume of responses received, it could take a while to hear back from them. They said that if I didn't receive a no email, it was still a yes and to simply be patient and wait. Well, months and months passed, and to be honest, I put it so far back to the back of my brain that I I hardly gave it another thought. I had planned on retiring in education and finishing out my career at that high school. I had no desire whatsoever to change careers in my mid-50s. I mean, honestly, who in their right mind would do that on purpose? That's insane. No one would do that at 53 years old with a retirement plan in place, right? So I continued just doing my thing. Well, about 10 months later, I received an email saying that they wanted me to do a phone interview. Yikes. (laughs) Never saw that coming. I remember going out to my car on an off period at the school and I quickly did the interview in my car, and then I went right back in to my next class. I really honestly didn't think a whole lot about it, but then a call came saying that they were interested in me and wanted to fly me to their headquarters for an in-person interview. Wait, hold on. When I decided to apply to appease my friend and get out of my comfort zone, that was not how I imagined it playing out. A few days later, the airline called with two different dates to choose from for the face-to-face interview at their headquarters. The first date that they offered me was uh, during an orchestra trip that I was chaperoning to Washington State, so I knew that that option was out. The way it works, though, is is that if you're not available for either of the two dates that they offer you, then there are no more options. They just move on to the next candidate. So I thought, well, I might be busy on that second date. That was my out. But the second date was completely open, and I mean wide open on my calendar. Yikes, again. I couldn't even come up with a good excuse to fill those days. Now I need to add in a little side story here. Trust me, even though it won't seem like it, it will all tie together in the end. So my husband was traveling out of state for several weeks and our garage door broke. Of course, those things always seem to happen when he was out of town. Well, anyway, I called the company to fix it and I remember the total cost being about, it was around, it was around $1,000. I was devastated. Colin and I were struggling financially, and that was the last thing we needed. So I begrudgingly handed the garage technician my credit card, not knowing if I was being scammed or gouged, or maybe there was a slim chance he was honestly charging me for his services. I didn't know. But when he left, I was angry. So I decided to take our dog for a walk to settle down, which I knew would help. Love walking the dog, love being outside. So I put the leash on our little excited Ellie and we went out through the garage for our walk. I pressed the button to close the garage door and nothing happened. It would not close. Yeah, 
I was livid. So I went back to my recent calls on my cell phone, found his number, and I left a pretty scathing message for him on his voicemail. I was so angry. I let him know how frustrated I was and I demanded that he come back within the next few hours to fix it. Regardless of his afternoon schedule, I needed him to come back by the end of the day. I must admit I was kind of a Karen leaving that message. Yes, I was. My name is Karen, but I really do try not to be one. Well, that day, admittedly, I was. So anyway, Ellie and I are walking and I see a missed call and voicemail message on my phone. So I go to listen to it thinking it's the garage guy, but it's not. It's this sweet voice on the other end that says, um, hi, this is Courtney from the airlines. Um, I, I think you might have accidentally left me a message that was meant for someone else. Yeah, I had chewed out the person that I was waiting to talk to about an interview date confirmation. Yeah, I did that. I was mortified. Well, when Ellie and I got back home, I got up the nerve to call her back. And I apologized profusely. And she was just lovely. It was just like talking and laughing with an old friend sitting on the couch in my living room. All was well. And long story short, well, okay, not really. That's actually such a silly, untrue saying, isn't it? By saying long story short, you're really just making it longer, right? See? (laughs) Anyway, I did get an interview date on the calendar and I went with it. They flew me to their headquarters and I met my first interviewer. He introduced himself and then he said, there will be two of us interviewing you today. Let me introduce you to the other interviewer, Courtney. It was her. I said, hi, Courtney. I don't know if you remember me, but I'm the garage door lady. (laughs) She did remember me. We laughed about it and we had an instant connection. The interview actually was amazing. At one point during the interview, they asked for an example of a fun-loving attitude. Now, we had just finished our spring concerts at the high school and uh, we had performed the song Africa. The students knew about my ridiculous animal noises, so they all said, Mrs. Hearn, you have to do your animal noises during our song, please. So, of course, I did. Man, I loved those students. I would have done anything for them. So I shared that experience as my example, and my interviewers then wanted to hear them. I was really not wanting to do that in my interview, so I told them to, let's, let's just wait till the end thinking that maybe they'd forget, but they didn't. So picture this, Karen all dressed up in interview mode, as professional as I could muster, making loud animal noises 
in our little interview room, which I'm sure didn't have soundproof walls, while there were many other interviews going on all around us. <laughs> but you know what? I gave it my all. And I walked out of there knowing that I had done my best. And that felt really, really good. Well, after returning home a few days later, I received some shocking news. I was brought in to the main office and I was told that my beloved position in performing arts at the high school was being cut to part-time, which meant no more benefits and a lot less pay. My time at that amazing high school was over after 15 years. I went home and cried. I was angry, confused, hurt. I had all the feels. I was completely blindsided by that unexpected news. I just didn't see it coming at all. But I guess life is weird like that sometimes. I really have no doubt that God's hand was in it though, because literally the next day, almost a year later from when I flippantly applied, never guessing in a million years that I could ever lose my job or ever get hired in an industry I knew nothing about, I was offered a training date to work for a major airline. And so it began. Let's start out with training. I understood that the basics of training were the same at every airline, but it was not at all what I expected. And surprisingly, it was probably the hardest thing I have ever done in my life. I know, that sounds crazy. I've done some hard things along the way. What I didn't know was that I was not actually hired as a flight attendant when I was given the job offer. Not yet. Unbeknownst to me, the four weeks of training are also part of the interview process, as is the six months of probation that follow that. There's a high probability along the way that you won't succeed and could be sent home at any time, which did happen to about a fifth of our class. It's a ton of pressure. They love to tell us in training that, quote, there are a lot of other people waiting to take your job and plenty of plights to take you back home. Yikes. I know absolutely nothing about military boot camp, but my flight attendant training was kind of what I imagined that to be like. You are continuously put under high intense pressure situations day after day. Six days a week, we started the day at 3 a.m. on the bus that took us to the training center. Then we had a full day of stressful class time and high pressure assessments and testing. And then the bus would take us back to the hotel. We'd try to grab a quick bite to eat. Then we would have about seven or eight hours of homework to do back at the hotel each night. That was all while trying to squeeze in a little bit of food here and there and honestly getting no more than probably three to four hours of sleep per night. So that was for four weeks straight. 
I even had to miss my oldest daughter's university graduation because of it, which was so devastating to me. It was stressful, to say the least, and I had many, many tearful calls to my husband and girls along the way. But there were some great things, too, of course, as there always are. One of my best memories of training was the slide story. I won't repeat it here, though. You'll just have to go back to episode one to hear that fun story of what happened during our escape slide proficiency. It's a doozy. But I think the best part of training for me was that our class was filled with some amazing humans and lifelong friendships were made. Best part. There were four of us in training who were all over 50 who especially became dear, dear friends. The first letters of our names are K, R, A, and P. So we now have a texting group named CRAP. (laughs) Of course, I have all of my digital voices set to speak in a British accent. So when I'm driving in the car, Siri politely tells me, You have a new message from CRAP. Would you like to respond? Here's a shout out to you, Rose, Alicia, and Paul. I do love my crap. Many in my training class came from other airlines, and they seemed to handle it much easier than I did, which is understandable. Mind you, I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about the airline industry. Sure, I had flown in an airplane, but that was about it. I am not even sure I knew the difference between a jet bridge, a tarmac, and a concourse. I was grieving the loss of my career in education, where I envisioned myself retiring. I had very little time to transition from teaching to flight attending, and everything was brand new. One huge challenge for me was that I didn't know how to learn in a completely paperless setting where everything was digital. Wow, things had changed since I was in college. Back when I was college in college, I learned by using an electric typewriter and furiously taking notes by hand. Yes, I'm that old, I know. But that set me back in the beginning and since it was just like drinking from a fire hose, I fell a bit behind, which added even more stress. I eventually did stop taking handwritten notes and figured out the digital process. But honestly, here's my takeaway. I simply don't recommend a complete career change in your mid-50s. It's tough. Now don't get me wrong, it is an amazing job. But especially if you're in your 20s or 30s. But you know what, I know that the worst is behind me and it really is getting better and better. And I'm extremely proud of myself for getting through it, honestly. I had some amazing family and friends supporting me who helped to carry me through and I will forever be grateful to them. I couldn't have done it without them. You know who you are, thanks. Let's move on to probation and commuting. Probation is a six month long continuation of the interview process. 
even though you've graduated from training and have received your wings, you're still not officially hired. It's then six more months of proving that you are indeed the one for the job. Other flight attendants assess your job performance on your flights, and there are also what are called ghost riders. They fly on your flights to critique you as well, without you even knowing that they're on board. The pressure continues. Well, I began my probation being based in Oakland, California. So I had to commute to Oakland a day before I began my four days of flying each week. When you're on duty, the company covers the cost of your hotels, but only while working, not while you're in base. So this meant that the cost of hotels or a crash pad while I was in Oakland was fully my responsibility. The schedule I had my first month was horrible, actually. It was a turn the first day, which just meant that you start the day and end your day in the same place. But then that was followed by a three-day trip, not returning to base until the third day. So this meant that I had three nights of a hotel to pay for each week. I was literally paying the company to work for them at that time. And I was back home in Colorado one day a week. Oh, there were so, so many tears <laughs> those first months. I can't even tell you. But again, some great things too along the way. Probation is when you really learn the day-to-day -day duties of the job. There isn't enough time in four weeks of training to learn everything. So training really only focuses on the important parts of emergency procedures, um, emergency equipment, safety, first aid, evacuations, FAA rules, uh, ditching procedures. Ditching is, uh, if you don't know, is a water emergency landing. The rest you pretty much just learn once you get on the line, just by jumping in and making a lot of mistakes. You may think that we only serve snacks and drinks, but let me tell you, we are primarily there for your safety as trained safety professionals and basic first responders. The drinks are just an added bonus. They barely even mention drinks and snacks in training because it truly is the least of what we're trained to do. By the way, I want to take a second here to throw in just a quick shout out to my buddy Jerome, who was the A flight attendant on my very first official flight ever. Jerome laughed at me and with me, but mostly at me. He mentored me. He encouraged me. He was an amazing example to me of what a great flight attendant truly is. He even picked up a second trip with me that first month so that he could laugh at me a bit more. He's, he's still laughing at me today, and he has become, honestly, my favorite work son. Even though he only flies trips to Hawaii and never comes to Colorado. But shout out to you, Jerome. Thank you for keeping me encouraged and not letting me give up. So many of you have done that same thing for me along the way. But Jerome, you'll always have a special place in my heart.
One of the best uh, parts about probation is the pranking that takes place. I had so many fun pranks pulled on me, but my favorite one was when the captain called me up to the flight deck. He acted like he was talking to someone very important on his headset while I stood there waiting for what I thought was a critical assignment. I was ready and I was not going to disappoint. He finished his, quote, conversation, and he told me that he needed for me to find a particular passenger to relay a very important message to. So he wrote down the name of this particular person on a piece of paper, and I was on task. I was ready. So I quickly got on the PA, and I said, Hey folks, if I could have your attention for just a moment, we need to track down a customer. We have a very important message for you. So, Anita Mann, please ring your call button. Anita Mann, again, Anita Mann, please ring your call button. <laughs> yes, very, very clever, Mr. Captain. Luckily, his first officer, Justin Case, didn't prank me as well. <laughs> oh, such a good memory. And just a quick side note here about our amazing pilots. I never knew this before starting this job, but a captain wears four stripes on each shoulder and a first officer wears three. Did you know that? You probably did. You all are so smart. Well, anyway, here are a few other things that you might already know, or maybe you don't know about the airline industry. One of the things that really surprised me when I started flying is that we as flight attendants cannot really see out the windows. The view from our galleys is through a tiny itty bitty multi-paned round window in each door. And when we're seated in our jump seats, they are positioned in such a way you can only see part of the sky. You can't see the ground, you can't see straight out. So when we're seated in that front galley, our best view actually is to lean forward and crank our necks around to look through the bulkhead passenger's window if the shade is up. Otherwise, we can see out a normal window only if the plane isn't full and there's an empty row that you can sneak into for a quick peek. The best view, of course, is from the cockpit. One, oh, this was so amazing. One of my best experiences was when uh, the captain called back and asked if I wanted to come up and see the light show. It was lightning all around us, this huge, huge lightning storm as we were flying back into Denver late one night. And I went up and saw it and it was unbelievable. It was such a miraculous thing to see it from the sky. Uh, definitely one of my best, best memories so far. You might know this now, since it's been all over the news, but flight attendants are not paid until the forward entry door is closed. So this means that there is no pay for boarding, deplaning, delays with ground time, sitting in an airport, or on the aircraft at the gate while the door is open. 
That's actually one reason why you may find that flight attendants are not real eager to help you lift your bag up into the overhead bin. We are not technically on full paid duty during that part of our day. So if we are injured lifting your bag, we are actually not covered by insurance as an on-the-job injury. We all like the mantra, you bring it, you sling it. <laughs> or there's this, check your bag, or pack lighter, or drive, or take a train, or maybe a boat. Oh, so many options. So along the lines of I need a man, or needing a man, or I already have a man, I'm sure you've most likely heard or seen the saying from flight crews that says, marry me and fly for free. That is true. My husband can fly standby anywhere that my airline flies. If it's a destination that we don't fly to, we most likely have an agreement with another carrier to get there and then we only pay the taxes. It's amazing. Such a huge perk of this job. And one thing you might not know about buddy passes or guest passes, they are not actually a free confirmed seat on a flight. The guest travels standby and can only get a seat if there are any left over after the ticketed passengers and the employees commuting or deadheading for work have been cleared before them. It can be tricky and you have to be really flexible in order to non-rev that way and go standby. Employees are taxed on the value of each guest pass as well, so they are not actually free. But again, such an amazing perk that I am so grateful for. Different airlines offer their employees this perk in different ways. Uh, some are given a certain number of passes per year, and some have to earn them in different ways throughout the year or opt into receiving them over something else. So here's another thing. Um, when I applied for this job, <laughs> I was very foolish in thinking that I would be flying during normal human hours and maybe fly one or two flights per day. Oh, how deceived I was. Everything in this business is seniority based. I started at kind of just the wrong time. I began right when the Max 8 aircrafts were grounded and then COVID hit. So I have been at the bottom of the heap for the last three years. Picture a bottom feeder in the depths of the ocean, as far down as you can go. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Although since COVID, they have started to hire more people under me. So I'm not quite on the bottom floor of the ocean. I can reach down though and almost touch it. But it's definitely getting better and better every day. Anyway, back to my deceived notion about human hours and legs flown each day. The reality in my airline is that during normal operations, we work up to 12 and a half hour duty days, starting as early as 2.15 in the morning for AM trips, and sometimes arriving at the hotel well after 3 or 4 in the morning for PM trips. We typically fly 2 to 5 legs per day, sometimes never getting off the aircraft or having more than five minutes between flights to eat or go to the bathroom before the next group of passengers board the aircraft. So it can be challenging 
tiring and hard on our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but again, there are those perks. One of those perks is the flexibility of this career. It's actually really amazing. We usually fly three days in a row, which is incredible because then we have four days off after that where we can pick up extra trips. We can do some side jobs on those days if we want. A lot of flight attendants are real estate agents on the side, um, do all kinds of, of things. Or during those four days, some people just opt to take the time off depending on, on your situation. I try to work for a title company one day a week, and I still do love squeezing in the medical school and the paramedic job uh, when I can. We can also pay other people, other flight attendants, to take our trips. We can trade trips around. We can pick up extra trips from others and from the company. It's actually really amazing how flexible it is. I don't know of any other full-time job where you can choose to take four days off per week if you want. So I do love that part. Another often unknown fact is that, especially on reserve, I usually have no idea where I'm going, who I'm flying with, what flight attendant position I'll be working until crew scheduling calls me as early as 2.15 in the morning to give me an assignment. The, air, uh, the airlines, this is another thing I, I didn't know, the airlines do not pay for your food while working and as you know airport and hotel food is expensive so most of us carry food bags that are, are heavier almost than our suitcases a lot of times um, flight attendants will fly for six days straight so their uh, food bag has to have enough food for them for six days we also rarely fly with the same people twice which is actually really sad when you love your crew members. But if you don't, well, I guess then it's not really so sad. So there is a question that I get asked a lot. It's this, what is your typical route? Well, for me, there is no typical. I tell people who ask me that question, the only typical route that I have is up and down the aisle. There is a lot of that. Back and forth. It's nice and predictable. Well, we made it to the end of part one. And you know what? I am actually unsupervised here at the moment. And it is my podcast. So I am just going to choose to leave you with this. What do you call a bagel that you eat while flying? A plain bagel. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me again today. Please be on the lookout for my next episode because I am going to share the mic with another flight attendant friend of mine who you will absolutely love. She is hilarious. So we'll laugh a lot, 
We'll talk about some ingenious flight attendant hacks, some do's and don'ts of passenger behavior, some of our best stories and memories, and if we have some time left at the end, maybe some safety tips. So thanks again for joining me. Please fly safe and be sure to keep that seatbelt fastened tight and low across your hips at all times while that seatbelt sign is on. Till next time.